Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. Have you ever had issues with your weight? And how does that make you feel? There's a lot of pressure on all of us, especially on us women, to be a certain size. And if we don't achieve it, we're expected to be guilty about it. We go on diets. We starve ourselves only to find they don't work. Or they might work for a short bit of time, but we balloon back to where we were before. Hang on, we don't have to live like this. My guest today is Dr. Lucy Burns, and as you'll hear shortly, she struggled with her weight all her life until she realised that everything we've been told is wrong. The right answer is real food and our attitude to it. Now, she advises other women on how to achieve real health and the benefits, including weight loss associated with healthy living. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you for coming on Tea with the Queen, Lucy. It's lovely to have you with us. Em, I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right in. When did you find out you had muscular dystrophy and what is it? Okay, so muscular dystrophy is a progressive muscle wasting disorder, which sounds very grim. There's lots of different sorts and it's a genetic, so it's inherited within families condition. Most people may be familiar with Duchenne's, which is the one that affects boys, but there's a whole host of ones that affect all different sorts of people. And it can be mild or severe. So my dad has it and he was fairly mild until recently and he's now in his 80s. But mine started probably late teens and really showed itself after I'd had my first child. So yeah, it's been a tricky, tricky route to navigate from time to time. And how did that affect the way you manage your weight? Well, initially, so I I was always one of those people, I dieted from when I was 16, I remember, just, you know, wanting to be like the skinny girls at school. And I was a very big exerciser, so lots of running, gym, all of that sort of stuff, never doing it for fun, doing it to manage my weight. And I was a yo-yo dieter, so I was really good at being strict and really good at being dedicated. And then I'd go all or nothing. So then I'd be either on a on a bender, as I call them. <laughs> bender. <laughs> so either perfect or on a bender. And the bender would involve, you know, whatever, chocolate, particularly chocolate. You know, I was a chocoholic. And so, yeah, so this continued for many, many years. And it was a reasonably effective strategy um, until it stopped working. And basically part of the reason it stopped working was I was no longer able to exercise my weight off because I couldn't exercise anymore. But I wasn't initially ready to give up my love affair with chocolate. Mm. I 
unfortunately feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really, it's really common. And in fact, I think I'd actually got to the point where, like, and so I, I, I guess the summary was that I was starting to get heavier and heavier and heavier until the point I was past my heavy pregnancy weight. And I put on like 35 kilos with each of my pregnancies. So I was one of those, you know, those people that gain just some, to sort of fat sticks to them during pregnancy. Yep. And so then I became heavier than that without a baby on board. And it was like, oh, mortifying. I couldn't fit into my clothes. It was just, and my mobility had actually declined as well. So it just got to the point where I thought I've got to do something about this. And, you know, I can't keep eating chocolate and lollies in the way that I was. I wasn't eating them for fun I was eating them really to I guess you know that comfort eating thing that you know my life's so miserable I need chocolate became part of it but it was it was I did a lot of secret eating it was stashed around the house if there was any blocks of chocolate in the cupboard that I ate I replaced them straight away so none of my family knew the extent of my sugar habit Oh, man. That's, I mean, okay, I can't relate now. I'm like, I, I'd like chocolate, but I don't like chocolate that much. <laughs> no, it was had a big hold on me. And it was really basically down to a lot of my deep, wired beliefs that anything that was hard or anything that was boring, so I needed a little pick-me-up to have with. So my desk drawers, you know, at work were always filled with chocolate. Yeah, that's tricky. Is that what led you into feeling depressed? Uh, no, I think the depression was a combination of things and it was probably really actually a grief reaction to a number of factors. I actually had two friends, good friends that died about 10 years apart, but they were like one was my bridesmaid and one was one of my best friends and they died in really tragic circumstances. So that was sort of the second death was one of the triggers. It had been brewing probably since even postnatal, I think a combination postnatal, friend dying, losing my um, mobility and dealing with that intangible grief that you have when you're faced with something that you don't know the future and you don't want to necessarily know the future. So I think that all in combination was probably the cause. Mm, that's really tricky. But you lost more than 20 kilos a few years ago. So how? Yeah. I mean, you've said your yo-yo diet, so obviously that wasn't working at some point. So then what happened? Yeah. So what happened was I went to my standard, be perfect, um, which was really looking at, you know, I was eating what I thought at the time, and it's sort of embarrassing as a doctor to realise that I was giving not only my patients really terrible advice but myself because I'd be going, I'm thinking, right, I'm doing all this low-fat thing, I'm having low-fat muesli, I'm having, you know, and people would be praising my meal choices. Oh, my God, Lucy, you're so healthy as I'd sit there with this huge bowl of low-fat muesli with some, you know, low-fat yoghurt and mango on top. And the problem was that I was eating this way. I was starving. I was always hungry and nothing was happening. So I'd do this for sort of eight weeks or so and think, well, that was awesome, nothing, and I'm hungry. And that was just unbearable. And I, then I'd just give up and go back on my bender thinking, oh, oh, it's fine, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm a bit fat. And when you said bit fat, like I also became metabolically unwell. So it's not so much the weight per se, it's what it's doing to my health that was actually my final nail in the coffin, if you like, that I, I could no longer pretend. 
Yeah, I get that. I get that. So what did you do? So, well, this is weird. We were on holidays and um, I was sitting piously eating my carrot sticks and talking to my friend and I'm saying to her, my friend's a doctor as well, and I'm going, oh, my God, you look fantastic. What are you doing? She goes, oh, I just did low carb. And I go to her, what do you mean? So we, she started telling me about it and I'm thinking, what? What sort of eating plan are you not allowed to eat carrots? This is garbage. I'm not doing this. And so my initial resistance was this is rubbish. I'm not doing it. But God, she looked well. She looked so well. And then because we were on holidays for a couple of weeks, I actually was able to watch what she was eating. I'm thinking, this looks good. So, you know, my usual spur of the moment, non-planning thing, I thought I'm going to do it too. So I just started that day. And um, I love that, by the way. You just got started. (laughs) Yes, I'm an action taker, imperfect action. I'm not a planner, but that's okay. So on holiday, I was able to... It worked straight away. I was starting to, I felt better within a couple of days. I didn't have any hunger. And by the time I got home, it was the first holiday in my entire life where I actually hadn't put on any weight, which was like a miracle. Because usually holidays, you know, you have wine. And, and I had wine and cheese. I just didn't have the bread, the carbs and the lollies and the chocolate that goes with it. So I think the way I started out though, probably the mindset I started out was, it was all about the weight and all about the weight loss. But over time, it became a way of life and a way that I could do this without it feeling restrictive and being on a diet. And that was all about the mind change, the mindset, which I know you talk a lot about. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think 80% of things is about mindset. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have this saying, I used to think diet and exercise, or one word, was how you lost weight, 50-50. Then I went, oh, no, maybe it's 80-20 diet and exercise and now I've gone actually it's 80% mindset it's about 18% food 2% exercise yeah it's interesting isn't it well if you don't have the mindset and the mindset's not willpower and I know that your listeners know that but that's what people think they go I just need willpower it's like what is this magical willpower there's no magical (laughs) willpower I know, give it to me in a pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of myths around dieting and weight loss and you just see it pushed in advertising and on the TV and everywhere you look, there's stuff around dieting. Yeah, and look, unfortunately, you know, and you, I could bang on about this all week, industry, so food industries that make a lot of our food products have had in the past a lot of say over things like even our Australian dietary guidelines. So there's been a lot of influence there and, you know, probably money changing hands, dare I say it, which have led to the current guidelines and the current guidelines are not helping our people get well. The current guidelines are not helpful for somebody who has metabolic syndrome or type 2 diabetes or even is just overweight because the majority of people who are overweight it all boils down to their hormones so we have a lovely funny saying that we go weight loss is all about hormones not calories it's chemistry not maths oh that's interesting that's so interesting Tell me about Real Life Medicine, the health and weight loss program that you set up with Mary Barson. It was called Epiphany Medical Weight Loss. Um, Who are your clients? And I also hear you booked out months in advance. So that's awesome. Congratulations on that. (laughs) 
Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I, I basically what happened was that because I, I just had this incredible epiphany myself, I'm thinking, oh, my God, the whole world needs to know this. This is amazing. And so, yeah, I founded a weight loss clinic called Epiphany Medical Weight Loss. And I see all sorts of people there, you know, from, you know, men and women. But um, what happened was that it got booked out really quickly and, you know, months in advance. And that, that led to things to me. I felt a little overwhelmed that, oh, my God, you know, if I want to take a day off, well, I'm going to have to – and being a non-planner, that doesn't work that well for me because suddenly, you know, I'd have to plan six months in advance till my next free spot. So I felt a tiny bit of pressure. But I also had this idea that really I need to be able to help more people and so we were doing both. So what happened really is that I teamed up with another doctor, Dr. Mary Barson, and we put together an online program and run an online membership, mainly for, well, mainly for women. And the reason is for women, women are often, and it's not always, but they're often the food preparers of the household. So they're the shoppers, they're the cookers. Certainly not in my house, but yes, generally, yes. I I can't cook, so that's awkward. (laughs) Can't be good at everything. (laughs) No, you absolutely can't, Em. Um, And that's why I say generally, because absolutely there are households where the, the bloke is the cook and the food prepper. But women have also had this very difficult relationship with their weight and their body over years and years and because we know so much about how mind is important, it's really important to nurture those women. So our, you know, program is, yes, it's about weight loss, but it's so much more important to focus on the mind and what you believe and what you truly think so that you can actually do what you need to do. But I also wonder whether it's undoing all the beliefs that you held for your entire existence. Oh, absolutely doing that. Absolutely. Undoing lots of things, undoing food myths, undoing the calorie counting, undoing diet mentality, and then learning not to hate your body and not to be mad at it and not to loathe it and learning to nurture it and nourish it. And when you do that and you nurture and nourish with beautiful food, then we have a saying, food is medicine. We love it. And that's absolutely critical. Yeah. And so you teamed up with Dr. Mary Barson and then together you renamed the Epiphany Medical Weight Loss Clinic to Real Life Medicine. Why was that? (laughs) Uh, Well, two reasons. One, when you're joining a new partnership, it's a bit like, I guess, going into a new marriage. You don't necessarily want to just live in the old house. You might buy something together. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought that would be a nice thing. And also... I was telling you earlier that the word epiphany, not everyone's familiar with it. And in fact, not everyone knew how to pronounce it. So I did have people ringing up asking to join the Epiphany program. And I just thought, yeah, I've got to do it's something awkward. about this. Yeah, it was awkward. So, and that's when we actually took a long time to come up with a name that were, that really resonated with what we want to do. And so, yeah, real life medicine became our it is our mantra, our motto. We live by it and we wanted to be a program that is accessible, like we're accessible. You know, we're not just a face of a multi-gazillion dollar 
organization where you're just a number, people who are in our community, they know us. Much like your thriving women, I'm sure, Em, they they really, you know, there's a connection and it's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's like, it's building a relationship. It's substance over surface, I reckon, because I think a lot of people look for that connection. They look for community and sometimes those relationships don't form. You have to really work at them, but it's about being in relationship, I suppose. Absolutely. And people feeling supported and it's not, again, we've, women can sometimes get into competition with each other and especially weight loss. So obviously the outcome is for people to improve their health and the side effect is some weight loss, but it's not the dominant focus within our programs because it can be so derailing. And, you know, women have this love-hate relationship with the scales, all sorts of really deep seated mind stuff you know and sometimes these are women who have tried so hard for so long and have never felt they've been successful and so they're you know really in a place where they need a lot of support and do they come into the program thinking it's all about weight loss and you help them shift their mindset or do they come into the program thinking this is actually about mindset and that's what it's about Bit of both, bit of both, because we talk, basically we talk about the that weight loss requires an understanding of the physiology and then the psychology. So the physiology is all about the hormones and I have, I, I'm a bit of an analogy queen. I love analogies. And so because what they do is it takes a complex concept that's maybe scientific and turns it into everyday language where you can go, yes, that makes so much sense. So with our physiology, I talk about a woodshed. So the way basically weight loss works and the problem that we have in modern society is that there's a hormone called insulin and insulin's job is actually to keep our blood sugar between four and six. And it does a lovely job of that. Our pancreas is so kind, helps keep our blood sugar between four and six because over that it's toxic and that's what happens when people get diabetes. But the pancreas will make as much insulin as required in order to do this. And so sometimes it actually makes a lot of insulin. But insulin's other job is fat storage. So people end up in a situation where they have a high circulating fat storing hormone. And then they, you know, they they come up with these terms of, I just have to look at a cake and I'm putting on weight. And it's it's actually true. Well, not so much looking at it, but If they eat a cake, their cake will go straight into their storage and other people will be able to use it. So the analogy I use to explain this is that if our body's like a fireplace and next to it there's some kindling and some logs. So kindling are your carbs. They burn quickly and they give you that pick-me-up or that bit of energy that people use and then they die down. What we really should be doing is also putting a log on at the same time so that you've got that slow burn all day. But for a lot of us, there's no logs next to our fireplace. They're out in a woodshed. What are the logs? The logs are fat. So your fat storage. So we should be burning carbs and fat. And when people can burn both, they're metabolically flexible. And, you know, that's what a lot of us are when we're younger. And it's what we used to be in the 50s and 60s. But as we've got stored more and more fat, we become more and more insulin resistant. Our pancreas makes more and more insulin. So the thing is, right, so there's no logs next to your fireplace anymore. They're out in the woodshed. So you toddle out to your woodshed. You go, right, 
body. I need to put on a bit of a, some fat onto my fire, but the door's actually locked. You cannot open your woodshed and the lock is insulin. So for some people with really high insulin, they've got maybe five or six locks on their shed. And so they skulk back to their fireplace with no logs. Their embers are going, you know, there's just a few embers glowing and they're starving and they literally are starving. They're running out of fuel. So they go, oh my God, I'm so starving. I would grab something. Your brain's going, yes, hurry up. We need something quick. And so you get a sandwich or you get a whatever. It's usually carbs because they're quick burning. So we've got this physiological drive, therefore, to be eating carbs, which actually can, you know, contribute to the problem of shutting your woodshed. So one of our mantras is, ladies, open your woodshed. Because when your shed opens, so what you do is the aim of the game is to lower the insulin. And when your shed opens, you have access to all that stored fat that you're carrying, which is basically just fuel, doesn't, that's all it is. It's just fuel, but we demonize it and make it mean a whole heap of other stuff. And then what happens is people come in and they go, oh my God, Lucy, there's something wrong with me. I'm not hungry. And I go, hooray, your shed's open. So yeah, so it's like, again, that's why it's the epiphany because it was the only way I lost weight without being hungry. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. I love that. I know. A couple of religious overtones there with miracles and epiphanies, but anyway. <laughs> I love it. But tell me, you, your online the online business is new, launched in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> Brave or bad planning? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Doesn't matter. You just said yes and jumped in. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about what people said to you. Did they think it would work? Talk to me about the story. So I think this is one of the things I've been thinking a lot about and business and weight loss, there's some similarities because you need to back yourself in both. You need to be really confident that you can do this and you need to be basically just absolutely sure of yourself and committed is the word I guess I'm looking for, committed. So we started and we were committed to launch in the 1st of May and We had all our training organized, everything that we were going to do. And then March, the pandemic came and people, you know, so many people said to us, what, you can't launch now. No one wants to lose weight during COVID. Everyone's going to be, you know, panicking and and eating chocolate and no one will want to listen to you. Or the other thing was that people were saying, well, everyone's worried about financial security. You know, nobody's going to spend any money. It's not a good idea. You should delay it. Isn't it the best time? You're in lockdown. No one can see you anyway. Try something new, I would say. Yes. Well, that's what I started saying. Because at first I'm thinking, you know, I'm talking to Mary going, oh, God, Mez, maybe we should delay, you know. And then I just thought, oh, bugger it. You know, we're ready. What's the worst that can happen? Why not? You know, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, no one will will join, you know. Oh, well, big deal. So there's often a lot of that talk to myself. What's the worst that can happen? No one will buy. Oh, well, big deal. Or one person which is almost worse than none because then you've got to deliver your whole program to one person. (laughs) They get a good value add though. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's exactly what we said to, to, I said to Mayors, you know, if one person joins or five people join, well, that's fine. We will just serve the hell out of those people because that's really what we want to do. We want to run a program that delivers unbelievable value. And, you know, so... So we did. Anyway, our first launch had 35 members join and we were blown away. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. And so we sort of spent the next few months, you know, again, 
serving the hell out of these women, building community. And then um, in about September, we decided, <laughs> actually, it was Fee Mims. The beautiful Fee Mims. Yeah, beautiful. So we're in her Shine membership branding thing because that's what I needed some help with was a bit of branding. And one of her things was talking about, you know, income for the rest of the year. And we were sort of resting a bit on our laurels going, God, we're awesome because it's my self-talk is often, yeah, God, we're so awesome. Look what we're doing. Look at us go. Yay. And then I said to Mez, I think we should do a 12-week program. And she goes, oh, okay, let's start in two weeks. So we did. (laughs) Basically, we already had a little program. We'd done it. And basically, the program is what I already run and Mary runs in our clinics. So it wasn't new material. And we'd actually already even filmed it, but we had never marketed it. So then we thought, eight weeks there's a we actually realized there was too much information in it that was one of the feedbacks we got from membership so we just basically decided to repackage it as a 12-week reboot launch it and we were thrilled we got 65 people signing up who would love those numbers those numbers are magnificent you've hit a nail right you know that you've got the market yeah yeah so yeah we were again totally thrilled with it and delivering and we had a you know we had a plan and and I think with coaching and and essentially this is why I say weight loss is a little bit like business you need a program you need a community and you need some coaching so content coaching community that's what you provide and that's really what we provide and it's I love it it's so beautiful and people respond so well and I think the thing that that we get the thrill out of, I mean, you know, you get a little like from business, you get a business thrill when you see people going ding, 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 ding. And I'm going, I'm screenshotting mares going, oh, my God, mares, look at all the people that have signed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as the program's going, the thrill is actually the little messages that people send you. It's so beautiful and I just love it. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's amazing that you can just launch something in the middle of a pandemic so I think the mindset's important, right? Because mm. you are like, mm, if it works, mm, if it doesn't, doesn't matter. And if no one signs up, no one knows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like when you when you run an event and no one turns up, no one knows. The only person that knows is you. So just get on with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you just don't put on social media your empty hall or your <laughs> <laughs> webinar. Look at us here rocking it with nobody. Yeah. <laughs> at me on screen on my own um that's awesome that's awesome i think um i think a lot of our listeners who either have a small business or want to try something this just gives them the impetus to just you know what have a crack i mean i'd love to see a little bit more planning in there just a wee bit more maybe that could be your 2021 thing (laughs) yeah and i think that's exactly what we're ready for next year is some strategy because we have winged it but i think some people are just planners and they plan, 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 but never do. And the planning doesn't help. You have to do and you have to put it out there even if it's not perfect because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's not perfect. It's better than perfect planning and no doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, I think the thing is that we don't have big lists. Every now and then you get a bit of comparison artists when you look at someone's Instagram following and I'm going, oh, my God, look, they've got 134,000 people and, you know, we've got 400 or something. But it doesn't matter. No, but they're really engaged. We give massive value. Like your blogs, they're really, you know, 
people love them. Again, people just write back and go, oh, my God, what a great story. Thank you. And I go, hmm. I love that. Um, Yeah. And I think that's the thing I would say to people is nurture your audience. And when you're ready to sell them something, they will be ready to buy because they know that you're the real deal. Totally. And I suppose one of the things that you've done this year is launch a new podcast, which helps with all of that. Tell me about that. Well, the podcast had been on our wish list since we started the business. But it was initially something that seemed a bit hard because we didn't have any money. And I thought, ah, oh, I don't really want to edit. Like editing's not my genius zone. That you have that involves sort of some planning and commitment. You've got to be organised and on time and all of that. We knew we were good at the chatting, but not so good at the production. So the thing that our twelve week spring reboot allowed us to do was get some money into the coffers, which we have now used to outsource to a proper production manager and I am going to tell you Em that and you know this that I looked at your podcast and thought I want what she's got (laughs) (laughs) oh that's nice (laughs) so um I just messaged you and I think the thing about you is that you are so generous with your time because you know you'd know me from Adam and here I am going oh I'm in female thing can you tell me everything about you and um (laughs) And so you did. And so we've connected with, you know, your podcast producer and he's fantastic. And so, yeah, we then went, right, we're going to do this. And so we do, we don't plan, well, we batch, we do monthly and we batch our podcasts so that we're just chatting for a couple of hours once a month. And that's perfect for us. That's perfect. And for those audience members who need a podcast guru, Mr. Chris Ashmore is our man. Yes. Both Lucy and my man, and we love him immensely, and he takes all the pain out of it. It's great. He does, absolutely. And the thing is that we were, again, this podcast, I thought, God, I'm going to put it out. No one's going to listen. It's going to be great. Sort of this, you know, it's an investment, a podcast. If you're not going to do it yourself, which, you know, I'm glad I'm not because it's not my genius zone at all. But yeah, that's a reasonable outlay. And I thought, God, we could be spending all this money. Again, this is head talk, all this money and no one's going to listen to us. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't do it or maybe we'll just do it for a couple of weeks. And then we went, nope, that's ridiculous. We're just committing. And then basically, like, we were so thrilled because the podcast launched at number one in nutrition and we couldn't believe it. I know. So we've just gone, yay. Again, so much beautiful feedback and not that you live for feedback, but bloody it helps, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Tells you you're kind of on the right track. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so that was exciting and it's so nice to be able to say to people, yeah, we launched at number one. But, again, that whilst we didn't, immediately plan that particularly what I did is I just went and asked and we don't normally ask much of our members or our listeners or our followers of anything but I just asked them I said listen we're doing this podcast I'd love it if you'd get on and just rate it on Apple and if you want to leave us a few words that'd be really helpful and so again this beautiful engaged community just got back to me and said and the ones that weren't on Apple were desperate how am I going to leave a review I don't have Apple I can't get onto Apple and I said oh don't worry just subscribe on Spotify or whatever so it was the Apple one that we wanted but yeah yeah Yeah, it's awesome it's really awesome I mean what I'm hearing you say is you just give things a crack (laughs) and you kind of jump in which is great the question for me in my head is if it's not working, at what point do you stop? Because, you know, I work in 90-day sprints, right? So I run hard for 90 days 
And if it turns to shiz, I ditch it and move on to the next thing and maybe bring it back or whatever. So that's the question. But I can see that you're really interested in delivering massive value and impacting many people. Yeah. So the one-to-one model can be hard because it's very time bound, but also you want to deliver value to your online community and to the communities that you work in, which is really awesome. But you just like having a crack. Mm. Yeah, basically I figure we're having a crack and look, financially it's working out well for us to the point where we're probably getting ready to, you know, (laughs) get some strategy. Get serious. (laughs) Get serious, yeah, yes. And, I mean, we've been doing this, the online space, which is really where we want to transition. It's essentially our part-time job because both of us work four days a week in clinical practice. Right. So that was the beauty of the pandemic. It gave us space because there was nothing else to do in Melbourne on the weekend or after work ever, except do Mm. some work. Mm. And it's been beautiful watching it grow. But you're right. I mean, we were just talking about it yesterday. We, Mary and I do every morning a Facebook Live for about five or six minutes. And we've been doing that for the last six months, which I think is why people do know, like, and trust us because we're there. Mm -hmm. But we were saying, how sustainable is that now? Do, you know, maybe what we'll do is pull back on those and just have them sort of before the launch of programs, really, then maybe stop them and concentrate on our members and clients, stuff like that. Yeah, it's really interesting because when I first stepped out on my own as a full-time business coach, so almost four years ago, I was the best business coach, but I was the best kept secret. Yes. <laughs> and so no one knew who Emma McQueen was. I was attached because I worked at World Vision. So I was attached to World, I was Emma McQueen, World Vision Australia. And so I had to do a lot of work to de-identify from that brand, but also stand in my own stead and go, yeah, I'm Emma McQueen, PTYLTD, and not go, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you just had to do it. But I also worked with Holly from Blue 51 Communications to do a content plan, which helped me to position myself in that like, know, and trust. And I'm gifted with the gift of discipline. So I just am kind of like a robot. You like put it in front of me and I'm just go and do it. And so I think that kind of helped me to keep showing up because I had a bit Mm. of a plan, had a bit of a structure, but also I was able to position myself in a way and at the same time be real because that's how I choose to be. Like we're talking today no one can see us, but I'm wearing a hoodie and that's okay, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I've done, look, I've done Facebook lives getting out of the, not literally getting out of the shower, but I have got out of the shower. I'm in my bathroom. My hair's still wet. I've gone, bloody hell, it's eight o'clock because <laughs> that's what time we're meant to be on. So I just go, oh, gradio. So, you know, I used to do a segment called Keto in the Car. So I'm saying to people, oh, I'm just rebranding to Keto in the Cupboard. <laughs> I love that. I love that. For our audience, what advice would you give them if they're kind of starting out on their journey or they're a bit stuck in their business? What advice would you give them? What practical tips? So as doctors, we know nothing about how to produce an online course. So we actually went and learnt that. So we did a course on how to do an online course, which it was really helpful because otherwise we would have been still faffing around. So we run ours on Kajabi. And the reason for that, people go, it's so expensive, but it's got everything in one. So we want to keep it simple because our life is busy. And, you know, unlike Em, I suffer from lack of discipline (laughs) and I have, I need to keep it simple so that I don't sort of miss things. And Kajabi for us has everything all in one. So that was good. We then 
once we got a little bit of money in, the first bit we outsourced all the stuff we hate. So everything that we're not good at, which is things like following up emails, we've got a fantastic, like the best VA ever. And and that was trial and error. We initially invested in a different company and you know, tried two or three of their VAs and they just didn't work. So at first we thought, oh God, we're just not for VAs. We're not organized to have a VA, not organized enough. But now we've got Erica and she's like, brilliant. So yeah, so I think investing in and taking out the things that you don't want to do as soon as you can. And then investing in someone to keep you on track. Because, you know, this is part of what Mary and I have been, in fact, we've got a, oh God, I feel like I'm banging on about Fee this month, but we have got our photo shoot with Fee coming up. Yay. And because Mary and I live miles apart, Mary's on the other side, she's in Torquay and I'm in on Mornington Peninsula. We don't catch up face-to-face very often. So we're having a strategy session after their photo shoot. But, you know, I don't lack gumption, if you know what I mean. I'm getting that impression. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Em, what's this? Hey, Em, what's this? Hey, Em, what's this? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to ask. And I also think I don't suffer from lack of self-belief. I suffer from lack of discipline, but I've got the belief. But for a lot of people, they don't. And doctors in particular, you know, that whole imposter syndrome that people are talking about, there are many, many doctors who suffer from that. And it seriously, it keeps them in planning because they figure if the plan is perfect, then it'll all be okay. But we're never perfect. So we just need to do. Yeah, I like that. Get out there and have a crack. Be a go-getter. Ah, be a go-getter. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You are a go-getter. Tell me, it's been lovely talking to you and hearing your story and hearing what's been happening and what's planned next. Tell me, how do people connect with you? So we're on every single blooming social, which is the whole thing, of course. Um, so our name is Real Life Medicine. Unfortunately, the reallifemedicine.com website was nicked and I can probably buy it, but it'll cost me 10 million bucks. So we've used RL Medicine. So RL for Real Life Medicine. It's a little shorter to type in. I would like also RLM. That's my other thought, but anyway. So we're <laughs> Real Life Medicine or rlmedicine.com and on all the socials under Real Life Medicine. Beautiful. So people can connect with you there. Thank you so much for sharing your personal story with us. It's really great to understand the background behind why someone's doing what they're doing and what impact they're having on others. And I love your bolshiness. I love getting those little <laughs> messages from, from Lucy to say, hey, Em, how do I do this? Hey, Em, what do I do here? Hey, Em, what's your experience with that? I know. But I wish you guys all the best. And um, I hope that it just keeps growing and growing because it's obviously needed. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and again, just back to that idea that the naysayers, that was another naysayer was, oh, there's so many weight loss courses around. Why would anyone buy yours? And yours is more expensive. That was the other thing. So we did a lot. I did some a lot of mind management on price. And so I would say to people, it doesn't, if you're giving value, then people are prepared to pay it because there's no point being cheap and nasty and not buying anything. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I think it's the same. Mm. There's a lot of coaches out there, business coaches, life coaches, da 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 da. And so it's how you differentiate in the market and what value you add to your clients and understanding what you're worth Mm. and understanding that if someone thinks you're expensive, that doesn't mean anything to you. No, no. But a lot of people get stuck, especially women, a lot of women get stuck and we're all a bit dysfunctional about money. So there's a lot of money blocks that we need to work through. But if someone says to me, you're too expensive, 
I will say to them, obviously, I haven't shown you the value or I can recommend another coach. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. And look, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's a bit like, you know, you can go and buy a two-week meal plan or invest in a box of shakes. That's going to be a lot cheaper than coming to see me. But my thoughts are it's probably not going to deliver you that long-term results you're looking for. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you, Lucy. I hope that everyone gets lots of tips out of our episode today. But thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks so much, Emma. It's been a pleasure and a delight. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us with promoting the podcast for others to listen to inspirational topics on leadership and business. And if you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au.